What's up, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we interview cool people doing cool stuff and try to find out what makes them tick, uh, what keeps them motivated, and how they balance out their career, their family, all that good stuff uh, with you know whatever passion they're pursuing. Um, so this is the first episode, so thank you for joining us. Uh, appreciate it. On this episode, we have Dan Thompson from the band My Heart, My Anchor. Um, Dan is actually hanging up this name. Um, not sure what he's going to be doing next, but he is currently uh, doing his final tour, so his farewell tour uh, this month. Um, the next show that he's got going on is going to be October 19th at Mad Moon Cafe down in California, Maryland. Um, if you're from that area, definitely check it out. Um, I'm really excited. I'm going to be there. It should be a great, great show. That show is at 7 o'clock. Um, definitely check that out. You can also find them at Spotify and Bandcamp. Um, it's myheartmyanchor.bandcamp.com. So check that out. Hopefully you enjoy the show. Um, it'll be all over iTunes. It'll be on Google Play. So put in a review. Let me know what you think. Feel free to message me on Facebook at Ambition Radio. Um, if I decide to use the Twitter, it'll be Ambition underscore radio right there. Feel free to email me ambition radio podcast at gmail.com any ideas for the show anybody that you want me to interview definitely send that there thank you and hopefully you like it enjoy how was that battle of the band stuff uh oh okay um the battle of the bands is really cool actually i didn't expect much from it um because number one, I'm not from Vienna, Virginia, and the thought of like selling pre-sale tickets to a show that's like an hour and a half away just wasn't happening with me, so I didn't, just didn't do it. That was at Jam and Java, um, right? Yeah, which is a cool venue. Like I've seen a lot of cool shows there, uh, but I just wasn't about selling the pre-sale tickets. Like I was gonna promote the show and tell people about it, but I'm not gonna sell Pretty tickets. Pretty sure you're the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, apparently not, because like all the other bands like sold a crap ton of tickets. I ended up selling like two uh, to some people that I knew that were in Virginia. Um, and, and me, then, right? Yeah, and then one to my girlfriend. Yeah. So, like, someone actually didn't sell any. So I had, like, three or four tickets sold, which wasn't completely embarrassing. I don't know. But the show was really cool. The sound people were really nice. The owner was super nice. Um, I didn't win, obviously, because I feel like if you go in as an acoustic act for a battle of the bands, you're you're not going to win. Most likely, the most, like, the band that sounds the most like country will win, and they did win. Really? So, yeah. Yeah, but they were tight, though. They were, like, very, like, well-structured and well-put-together. Sounded like a country artist. And they, they won that round of the Battle of the Bands, which was cool for them. I met a lot of connections for, like, DC shows and whatnot. And, like, met some cool people from Vienna. And Jam and Java said they'd have me back. So, like, I didn't really lose anything, I'd say. I gained some stuff from it, which is the whole intention of getting into the Battle of the Bands. Have you played DC before? Um... I have played DC9. I opened for Have Mercy in a Will Away a long time ago at DC9. That was really cool. Uh, I forgot about that show. That was like just like a random last minute thing. Um, DC9 wasn't promoting the show really, and I'm friends with both those bands, so it was like really pissing me off that like a bigger venue like that around DC like was not. I mean, promoting. It's, it's it's not it's big. Pretty much as the size of this studio. 
Yeah, but like if my friends are playing a show and you're not promoting the show, like that kind of makes me angry. Like they didn't have a flyer, like weren't promoting the page on really? like Facebook. Yeah, they had nothing. So like I went, my, I went out of my way to make a flyer for the show and like start promoting it. And then uh, Brian was like, "Do you just want to open the show?" And I was like, "Yeah." Like, why wouldn't I want to do that? And so he's like, okay, I'll see if I can get you on it. And, like, DC9 just, like, wasn't responding for, like, the longest time. Just was not having it. And uh, I think, like, the day before, they were like, oh, yeah, if the guy wants to play it, he can go and play it or whatever. So, like, I hopped on. It was a really cool turnout. DC's cool. I've, that was the only time in this band that I've played DC, I'm pretty sure. And that's actually probably my favorite venue in DC right now. Yeah, the DC9's awesome. The sound is always amazing. The room, it's a little awkward because you're just in the corner. Like, the band's just in the corner. Yeah. And then the bar is right behind there. So that's that's fine, but... It's, it's tough to maneuver around in that small space. It's, it's very weird. I saw uh, Dillinger Escape Plan there. That's cool. Which was that's, insane. I imagine that's, like, very... Yeah, because it's a very small spot, so that would be, like, nuts. Yeah. Um, the guitarist, I don't remember his name, but they had stacks right next to the stage, and then he jumped on to the speaker's started playing and then jumped right into the crowd. Yeah. Right in front of me. So I have, I have a recording of it somewhere <laughs> and it's, it's a nuts and seeing them in that such small space. And then I saw them, I think the following week at soundstage. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. But... It was ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's weird. There are a lot of other cool venues hap- or like that are around in DC. Now there's this like venue called songbird. Yeah. Um, that I've seen like a lot of cool shows going on at. I haven't I, been there yet, but I've heard nice. good things about it. Um, that's at, it's in Adams Morgan. Um, it's a half record coffee shop. And then, uh, what do they have? So they have like a recording, um, like a record listening booth mm-hmm. area that you could spin records. Listen to those, check those out. Um, they'll have different listening parties there, which is cool. I think they had like a Wu Tang one recently. That's cool. Um, and then they have a performance space downstairs, which is teeny tiny. It's probably the same size as DC Nine, mm-hmm. um, but it's laid out way differently, and the layout kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, I saw. What did I see? Oh, who did I see? What was that band? They're really good. Um, <laughs> That's good. Seen them a bunch of times. That's good. I just good. cannot think of that that band. Oh, Bentney. That's that's who I saw. Jesus. Um, they're probably one of the best new bands that I've seen mm-hmm. in a long, long time. But that that place is cool. Um, they had a festival in the summer there, I think. And it's really weird to have a festival in such a small space because yeah. they had like fifteen bands playing. I don't understand it. I remember back in the day, like, Mike, I don't know if you ever did any of these shows. Maybe you were, like, too smart to do these. But, like, when they'd have, like, the circuit of, like, venues in D.C. where you, like, had to sell a certain amount of tickets. And then, like, depending on how many tickets you sold, you either play, like, Rock and Roll Hotel, D.C. 9, or 930 Club. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Dude, I played one of those. I was fucking, that was stupid. I wish I never did it. What band were you in when you did that? uh, I was in a pop punk band called The Varsity Letter. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Was that your first one? <laughs> no, it wasn't my first band. Uh, my first band was a metal band called Our Last Stand, and we were god-awful. That was the worst thing I think I've ever been a part of, besides Velo Velo with that hair and those jeans. Yeah, you forgot about that, didn't you, Chris? I did. It's probably I did for better, forget man. about that. That was awful. 
Because you've been playing, oh, you've been playing music for how long? Uh, geez, since I was tw- nineteen or twenty, uh, is when I started playing in bands in Maryland. So the last like eight years, I've been playing. Really? Yeah. I thought it was longer than that. No, no. I I went to shows and whatnot, and uh, went to shows at like my brother's place, and like some shows in like Towson and DC and whatnot. But I wasn't actually playing in any bands or anything like that. Um, I was like, I was that friend that had uh, friends that were in bands, and I would try and like manage them or whatever, even though I had no fucking idea what I was doing, because that's what your friends did when you were younger, like just stupid shit. Like, try and manage your friend's bands when you know nothing about it. What a, What the fuck ever. Well, I was doing that, and then, like, I just got involved with a band because, like, I guess they, like, they kicked out their bassist and they needed somebody. And I was like, I can play bass. Right, because you weren't playing in high school, right? No, no, I wasn't playing in high school. I was, a, I was a fucking loser in high school, man. I didn't do shit. I didn't talk to anybody until, like, junior year. Did not talk to anyone. Is that when I met you? I think so. Because you were a senior when I was a junior. I'm yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I thought I've known you for longer than that, but it, either way, it's been 15, 15 years, I think. Right? Yeah, I, I remember, like, I met you when I was in high school, and I was doing shows through, like, Fred Heather, <laughs> and then you started doing shows in, like, Leonardtown at, like, Room with the Brew yeah. and Good Samaritan Church, and I started doing shows through you because I learned better than to <laughs> do Park Rock Fest with Fred well, Heather and yeah, Feedback I Fred. I mean... I'm I'm happy that it's still a thing. I'm surprised. He's, what? He's still doing things? Yeah. He's doing stuff at um so they they opened up a a new place down in Callaway which is a 5 South uh event center. Mm-hmm. They just had Tantric play and yeah. Uh and then they had someone else play recently. I don't remember who it was, but I almost thought about going. Okay. Um you poor soul. Yeah. Uh, but it's... it. You remember the Crystal Room down there? Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. So they, they made that banquet area into an actual, like, full event center. So they have, like, shop days for, for all the ladies. Um, and then they have a um, bunch of different stuff that goes in there. But their, their main thing is music. Mm-hmm. So... And they're bringing, you know, a lot of the the older bands from the '90s, the One Hit Wonders. Oh, um, it was Trapped. They had. Oh, really? So, yeah, they had Headstrong. Yo, that's big for Fred Heather, dude. Like. Well, so it's not Fred Heather that's doing it, but. Is it his son? No. So, um, you remember Travers Gillingham? I think his last. The name, name is. sounds very um, familiar. I don't remember the band that he was in, but he was also he. I think he plays now with Shallow Deep. Um, anyway. There's still a band too? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. So, it's, it's an interesting thing down there because you have, um, you have like all the, all the cover bands that are down there, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have all the, the bands that, they're all your old original bands that kind of lingered. So it's all the same people playing pretty much all their own original stuff here and there. Yeah. So, I think Steve from Shallow Deep plays covers as Run Catch Rain, maybe. It's good money in covers, from what I hear. Like, because Mike Miller wanted me to do like acoustic covers with them at like weddings and like bars and stuff, which I was totally down for. Like, that's an easy thing you can do to make money, which I'm totally down for. But like, it just didn't ever like get started, really. 
Yeah. It's weird. I mean, covers, especially in our area, is the only way to actually make money if you want to play music. Oh, I totally believe that. So, and it stinks for the longest time that you didn't really have, like, original outlet. So, I kind of feel bad for, like, not being able to keep up with the shows that I was doing. Um, just because I, I felt as soon as I pretty much left it, I mean, there was only PGMA yeah. Um, there, and he's doing some stuff um, at 5 South every once in a while. Um, I think he's actually picking it up. So I, I applaud the fact that he's continuing providing, you know, an, an outlet for some of these guys. Um, the only unfortunate thing that I'm seeing is that it's the same group of people. Yes, because you don't, we don't, well, I can't say we don't because I don't live down here anymore, but like the bands that were here, it was there's a pretty good amount of bands that would like circulate through like memories in my brother's place and like Hunter's house in Huntingtown. He used to do house shows that. Oh uh, yeah. Tiger. Um, was it Tiger Scout that played that? Um, I don't know if Tiger Scout played Hunter's house, but uh, uh, that was um, TJ in Calvert. Tiger yeah, Scout played his house a bunch. Of times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Joe Schlobotnik. Yeah. And um, there was like a good group of bands that were just like frequently playing around and like were yeah, because it was popular. weird. You had you had all the Calvert bands. Um, you had the Charles County bands, and then you had the St. Mary's County bands, and everybody was kind of like isolated a little bit. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to bring some of those guys together. So I had like Joe. Who who did I have play a memory show? I had uh, Joe Schlobotnik open. I think Tiger Scout played because Colin. The drummer, yeah, he wanted to play on the floor, so that's the only reason why I remember they that. They always do that. Even when I had him play at my brother's place, like they didn't use the stage; they wanted to use the floor, which was like the coolest thing yeah. I'd seen at the time. Cause yeah. I love Tiger Scout; I thought they were sick. And then uh, Shot Hard Around the World, I think, played that one, if I remember right. But yeah, I, I was able to like develop a little bit of a relationship with um, most of the the bands in the area, at least. But I don't think I ever really did much in charles county that much because I, I mean think i only you, did two my brother's play shows there. i feel like when you were doing shows in like southern maryland and even like even a little bit in like waldorf la plata area like you kind of helped build the scene more than what it had been because like it had been dying down a lot i feel like when we lost well, not even, like, when we lost My Brother's Place, like, way before that, like, the scene was dying down. Like, My Brother's Place was the place you would go for any show in Waldorf, like, within, like... Well, I saw Kevin Devine there yeah, years ago. Yeah, it's weird. Like, we had, like, really good uh, bands play there. Yeah. So I saw him. That was the first time that I saw him play at all. And that was my buddy Dale that put on that show. So, I mean, it had, like, people and good musicians that would play there. I just think that it was... Definitely mismanaged, and it's oh yeah, of, yeah, for sure. It's kind of disappointing that there's nothing to f- fill that gap. Yeah, like memories is like I I've never liked memories. Like I've never that place got shut down. Yeah, I heard. I've been. I thought that was great. Uh, yeah. I never enjoyed playing memories. Like I would do it if like a friend was throwing a show that really like needed someone to play or like they asked me like for the like you to me like final show. Like I was there for that. Or if like Count Your Blessings randomly got back together for like a holiday show. Like well, I know people are gonna be there for Count Your Blessings because like that's what they do. So, like, I'll come down and play that. That's, that's worth the time. But, like, when you have, like, uh, what, what the heck is that band that, like, played there every freaking weekend? Mike Garrow was in it. Do you remember? Who else was in it? 
Dude, I don't even know. I just remember Mike Garrow. I don't. I don't know who that is. Uh, it was. It was like they. It's like they were trying to be icy stars, like really heavily, and like I don't even know what that band is. You're better off. Um, they were just really trying to be like, just like the band that was like trendy at the time. But they would play like memories all the time. But like, you can only play a place so much in like such a little time frame that like people stop thinking it's interesting. Yeah, like, and I think that's that's one of the things that kind of is a detriment to a lot of the bands that are in the area is they they stay home. Yeah. So often, they don't try and go out, um, and then a lot of them will convert. And I'm seeing this a lot is they convert more to covers because they don't want to put the effort to get their music out in different places. Yeah. So, and which is a problem, but they also don't. So you don't want to oversaturate your market, right? That's why mm-hmm. the, when what I was trying to do when I was doing shows is find a Charles County venue, a Calvert County venue, and a St. Mary's County venue. And rotate them monthly. That way you can kind of bring in all three counties all at once. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that was kind of the, the idea that I had. And eventually I just, money's a thing, working's it, it a hard. thing. Um, people not showing up for shows that I kind of like but don't really care about anymore. And then you like pay out of pocket to like pay bands for gas and stuff. And then like you just dig yourself in a hole. Yeah, or you know, pay for sound or the yeah. venue or anything else. Um, it's not cheap, dude. Like, yeah, it, and it was it, it was up. a big blessing for me that, you know, the the church, the Good Sam, didn't really charge that much for yeah. it and kind of let me have the run of the things just because I looked like an adult. Like, I, I feel like I was the only one <laughs> that looked responsible throughout the whole thing. You were definitely the only one that was responsible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was cool, and um, thankfully we always did a pretty good job keep, keeping that place clean and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that such a – I feel bad that there's there's nothing really there anymore. There's nothing in Calvert. There's nothing in, in Charles County that's letting anybody play there anymore that's not a cover act. There's a few open mics, and I think that's the other problem is that no one's showing up for open mics. Yeah. There's a bunch of them in St. Mary's, and I think they're doing okay. Um, Steve from Shallow Deep, Run Catch Rain, he hosts a few of them down there. And I think they're doing well, but that's the only community that's actually doing anything. And it's the same people. Yeah, is Casey Jones and the Plata still doing open nah. mics? Oh, they stopped them? Yeah. I did that one time, and it was it was pretty cool. They, they had a lot of good turnout, but it was whoever... I think there was a guy that was working at Island, and he played played in that one band. Um, he played bass for oh, I don't remember that guy. I don't remember that band's name. Uh, was it Christine? No, it, they're all dudes. Um, they started out original music, and now are playing covers. With lying eyes. There you go. I knew it. That's it, yeah. I knew it. It's weird. They had this really, like, well-produced music video that is nice, but their their music is okay. I think they're all... I haven't listened to their music, like, since forever, but, like, I think their vocalist, if it's still the same guy, David, like, I thought he had a phenomenal voice whenever I played The whole band has talent. Yeah. The, The... Cause he has a, he has some pipes on him. The guitarist is really good. The drummer is solid. The bass, um, who is I'm thinking of is I think Dylan. He's he's solid. Um, 
so, I mean, with, with all of that in there, they have the potential to really break out, but I think they're also playing generic rock at the moment, like generic hard rock at the moment, and I don't know if that's really going to do anything outside of Baltimore. Yeah. So, I think it's, like, another case of, like, what you said, like, people just playing their hometown too much because, like, they never played out. They never no. They never left, like, St. Mary's County to play, and I think that really, like, kind of hurt them in the long run because they definitely had talent and they've always been like really good and they could they could write songs and they could perform them really well. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, which I'm pretty sure I am, but like they never they never left. Like they play like Rock the Ink or like Park Rock or like Memories all the time, but they would never like venture out, like even like try and find something in Upper Marlboro or like I don't know, like Towson, Baltimore. Well, yeah, anywhere. I mean there's there's really not much in in PG, you have to you have to go to Baltimore or DC um, to really do anything, and it's tough to get booked because I think Baltimore is an insulated little community already by itself, and DC is DC. Where if you're not really a DC band, it's tough to get into a lot of those venues. It's everywhere, man. Like I didn't learn that until I got out of like Southern Maryland. How hard it is to actually book yourself out of state, like. No one wanted to give me a chance anywhere I went, like, because I was just some acoustic dude. Like, I got lucky on my first tour because I was touring with uh, Johnny. I was doing the Water Me Down tour. and like, Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and they were already, like, kind of, like, gaining steam and, like, had buzz. So, like, they booked most of it. Was that when he was doing a whole band or just by himself? Just by himself. Just by himself, um, right? Because his whole band stuff was excellent. I remember them playing the church... And it was one of the better sets that I've seen uh, from some kind of local band there. Oh, and then there was Tragic Blame. Yeah, Corey, Corey's old band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I didn't mind them either. I thought they were pretty good. Like, there there was a decent amount of, like, talent in Southern Maryland, but, like, no one had the motivation to get out of Southern Maryland and do right. stuff. So go back to that tour, though. So. Um, but Johnny booked most of that tour okay. that we went on. Um, me, Johnny, and Janelle. Like, uh, we did, we did around Pennsylvania. Um, Pennsylvania. I think we did like New Hampshire. We tried to do Connecticut. Like, we went pretty far out. Like, for my first run was like a week long, um, just because like I really wanted a tour, and they were like, "Yeah, I mean, we we can do that." We can no problem. Did you guys all share a car or whatever? Yeah, we all went in Johnny's uh, mom's car. I think it was like she had a pretty big SUV, so we just packed like the trunk and just went on the road and just did the did the run. It was it was cool. Um, but I think doing that, like even trying to help with booking, like made me realize how tough it is to like try and get your name out there. Because a lot of people, like you'll hit them up on like either a- anywhere, like Twitter, or Facebook, or email. And, like they just won't give you the time of day. They won't even bother to respond. Like you can see they read it, but they won't bother to respond to you if they don't like if your name's not recognizable. Right. So the way that I met uh, Shot Heard Around the World is uh, Wendy. I don't remember the guy's name. So I feel bad. But Wendy from Room of the Brew, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Derek was messaging just literally, like, everybody. Derek's a drummer from that uh, band that's no longer around um, from Massachusetts. Amazing people. Um, but, yeah, he was just messaging everybody, emailing people and all this stuff. And then um, I think it was on room with a bruise, maybe Facebook or MySpace page, or just maybe like random email. I don't remember what it was, but she was like, Hey, this is for you. This is a band that wants to play here. Do you want to check them out? 
And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll look at it and see what happened. Listen to him, and I was like, this is one of the better things that I've heard. <laughs> you were uh, very critical about your music back then. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, super still, critical. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're not even that great, but I still like you, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> I was wondering when it was going to come out. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so it was, I mean, that was a cool thing. And then I finally listened to their stuff, and I started emailing back and forth. And next thing I know, they're down here putting on a show. Because that, that was... The, and I still have pictures somewhere of this where Derek took off his shirt, kept drumming, stood on his uh, drum stool, kept drumming, drumming, um, hitting all the cymbals, all, all the nonsense. I was there. Right. I was there. Stepped on his toms, still hitting his cymbals, and then like twisted, jumped around, and then just went right back into it, hitting mm-hmm. everything in there. It was just nuts. It was, it was one of the, the better things still to this day that I've seen. Yeah. Which probably isn't that great in the long run, but it's still just something that kept with you, and it's something that I, I've never seen anybody still do it. For me, that was like me seeing the chariot for the first time, like before the chariot was a thing. Like that that performance was like quite literally the performance I would, I would expect from the band The Chariot. Yeah, that, that was incredible. So you went on tour with... Water Me Down for the first time. Did you tour at all with Varsity Letter? No, we never. We did, like, we were all pretty stupid. So we did, like, a string of, like, Hot Topic in-store acoustic. Oh, I forgot about that. And we called that a tour. But we came home every night. So it was like, that wasn't shit. So, like, we did, like, a bunch of random, like, random malls in Maryland and, uh, in Virginia, it was it was it's really weird because we played Molly Station Mall in Glen Burnie. Yeah, like back then, and like I think like just four years ago, I ended up working at that Hot Topic. That's funny. Which is like super weird, and I was like, why does the store look so freaking familiar? Like I feel like I've been here before, and I was like, oh shit, I played acoustic here before. That's weird. Well, how were those shows? Uh, they weren't bad. Um, there was there was only one instance where it got really weird because like I guess the owner forgot we called and like booked it because like we had no like skill for following up with people so like, I was like definitely on us but um all of them were pretty cool like we played like the Waldorf Mall and that was always really fun um we met some really weird kids in Manassas Virginia after that show and they like definitely let some of the members smoke some weed that was laced with something and that was weird that really? it got it got real weird that night and like some of the members were, like, freaking out, so I had to, like, drive everyone home. It was crazy. They were, like, telling us... They were, like, offering us a place to stay, but, like, we... As the night went on, it was, got to, like, 2 a.m., and we're, like, they're not letting us stay anywhere. They're just kind of, like, leading us around all over Virginia right now. Like, we need to go home. So we just went home. But, um, that was, like... That was that was an experience. Right, because I was kind of surprised that you guys didn't do more with that band. I think, um... I'm not scared to name names. Uh, Dave's mom, she really held us back a lot because she was very protective. Dave was the drummer of the band. If you guys remember, like she definitely held us back because she tried to be like the band manager and would, like control what we did. But she was very protective of her son, so that definitely influenced what we could and couldn't do. So like touring was definitely not in the cards unless she was coming with. I'm not having this dude's mom ride with us like to every show we go to. Like, that's well, not... did you ever think about just replacing him? Oh, uh, we did. We did eventually. Um, but then that didn't work out for very long. Um, we had a drummer from Waldorf and we went to, we actually did recording here first with you, Mike. 
And then I don't remember what happened. I think Matt and Joe had some kind of disagreement, and then they wanted to go somewhere else. I don't remember what happened. But then we went to this dude, Justin Day, and Glenn Burney, and, like, we had a drummer whose parts, like, weren't good. So we had – it was, like, really shitty. Uh, the rec- dude we recorded with didn't like the drummer's stuff. So he's like, look, like, this guy's not keeping up with what you're doing. Like, if you want, like, I have this friend who can drum. Like, he's really good. We can, like, have him come and just knock out some parts for you. So I think we opted to do that, but we didn't tell our drummer that, like, his parts, we weren't keeping them. Because it was, it was, like, it was fucked. It was so fucked. So, like, eventually when we got the mixes back, like, he heard him. He was like, I didn't – this isn't me. What are you talking about? That's definitely you. You're, you're on time so all the time. We had to like kick him out, um, but That's then we just didn't have to kick someone out. Be like, hey, we recorded this without you, <laughs> yeah, was, and you're no longer in shitty. the band either. It was super shitty for sure, uh, and we ended up having to kick him out. Um, but then the band kind of just fizzled out because we just kind of had a lot of uh, um, miscommunication with each other. Because Ned was still in, he was like still in freaking middle school, I think. Ned was in middle school at that time. Yeah, because he, there's he was no the, way he was like. No, no, okay, he was in high school. He was, he was like, 16 at the time. Because everybody else was, like, 18, 19? Yeah, yeah. Right? I was 20, were... and he was, he was like, 16, 17, I feel like. Right, because you he played... he was significantly younger. Like, I had to make him show me his ID, because I didn't believe him. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> right. believe him. Which was funny, because he was, like, bigger than all of you. Which like, is weird. M- muscle-wise, he was just bigger than all of you. He just looked like a man. He was the, like, 15 or 16. Yeah. Right. When... Now he looks like a freaking supermodel. It's weird, man go for that guy like good for him yeah uh he makes me feel bad about myself almost <laughs> every day that i see him do anything um but i'm i'm surprised yeah either way i'm surprised that you guys just didn't do more obviously it makes sense um that there there was a little little back and forth in there um but how so that band fizzles out i think you guys played a reunion a couple years after that right yeah um I actually left the band, um, I think, I had left the band because I had some issues with the drummer, and then they had a show at Jam and Java, actually, that was coming up, and they didn't have anyone to play bass. I think they, like, found someone to fill in, but then, like, they backed out and was like, hey, I'm not actually about this, sorry, guys, like, on the day of the show. So I remember going to Joe's house and, like, learning bass parts for, like, a new song because they had only come up with, like, one new song since like, right. I had left. And I, like, played the show with them at Jam and Java and kind of, like, just stuck with it. But, like, when I did that, I uh, took more of a role doing, like, bass and background vocals and whatnot. So is that when you started singing, too? Um, yeah, uh... I started singing because I was riding with this dude, Trent, Trent McKee. We were riding in the car together, and this Mayday Parade song came on. And, like, we were singing it together, and he was like, dude, you have a really good voice. Like, you should probably, like, sing more. And I was like, no, I'm good. He's really? Like, yeah. I was, That's I could, how that started? Yeah, like, I didn't want to sing it anything. When was that? Um, Was that when you guys were playing with Our Last Stand? It's because I was in Our Last Stand and Varsity Letter together. I was in both bands oh, at the I same time. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. so I was doing both bands. Um, but Trent was like, yeah, you should definitely start singing more because your voice is freaking beautiful. Like, you should definitely do that. And I was like, I'm good. But, like, he'd, like, slowly pressure me into singing in front of people. Like, if we were hanging out with friends, he'd, like, put on that specific song. He'd be like, hey, man, Dan can sing this song really well. You should listen to him. <laughs> I'm like, dude, stop being an asshole. Like, don't, don't do that. I told you I don't want to do that. So I didn't start singing until, like, Trent, like, peer pressured me into singing more and that's like how i started doing it and when did you start playing guitar um because you played bass in both of those bands right yeah i played bass in both of those bands uh after the varsity letter broke up and our last stand wasn't a thing anymore um 
the dudes in our last stand and I were always like super close during that time. Uh, and we wanted to start a new project cause like just music was something that we like really had fun doing together. Cause they're, they're like a fun group of people. Um, and we had like a cool, like click that we hung out with and like played my brother's place a lot. Uh, and at that time, I don't, I don't even remember how like it came up that I wanted like wanted to start playing guitar. I remember Trent and John taking me to get uh, hot licks and like, convinced me to somehow open up a hotlix credit card and that's how i bought <laughs> that's how i bought an electric guitar and a like a cab like a half stack that was like a horrible financial decision i should not have done that you did both of those things at once yeah my credit like i got approved for a lot like i don't even know how but like i bought all of it at one time which was like i'll just pay it off i'm working a good job like we got which i guess target was a good job for me at the time i don't i don't know dude i don't know so like uh, I bought the stuff and like we started playing in this band Vela Vela and like it was it was a weird time it was a very weird time just because like I feel like everything about that project was fake because it was right um because they're like a Christian based band I am not a Christian um I don't so because I thought our last stand was but they carried that over to Vela Vela yeah they carried it over like they were fine with me like not going to church with them and whatnot. Because uh, that's not what I was into, but like uh, when they did Vela Vela, they wanted me to start going to church with them, and I was like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Like I'll I'll go for it and see what like your church is about. But like they got like really into it, and like I wasn't into it. Um, so it was like during that time, it was all about like image. I feel like for a lot of bands in the local scene, like you had to wear the skinny jeans, like your hair had to be look a certain way, had to like have synchronized movements and shit for all your bands. It was, it was God awful. Uh, what was that? Crab dancing? Crab core, dude. Crab core. That crab core, you know? Um, uh, the jogging in place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the, so one of the, the few bands that was different from that, that was in that area was Wall I'll Be Damned. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the original singer's name and I don't remember but he was this skinny, um, redhead dude that was just crazy. It's Tony Barnes. Is right? that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, but he was great, and I, I love that band. And so you had him. I think you had Frank in there. Um, Do you know who the original lineup was, Mike, by any chance? For a while, I'll be damned. I just remember Tony, mostly. So, Tony, Frank, um, I think Sean was in there as far as the original goes, if I remember right. I remember um, he was in it. Like, yeah. yeah. So, because I remember seeing them, and they were the only band that was different, but they reminded me so much of, like, Daughters and just crazy grindcore nonsense that I just really appreciated because they didn't listen to any of that. They just created yeah. it, which was fun because when I talked to them and I was like, you should listen to all these other bands that are doing what you wanted or doing what you're doing right now. Um, and then that turned into Mason hopping on there after Tony left. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what was, what was that band that they all started? Thrown to the depths. Thrown to the depths. Yeah. Cause then it went from that spastic, uh, crazy, um, grindcore, metal nonsense to that big heavy sound once mason got in there too yeah um so that was cool um and i think that was right around when you were playing with velo Vela, if i remember right right yeah um 
I feel like everything about that time was just very awful, but like there were some like positives that came out of it. Um, like if I hadn't been in Vela Vela, I wouldn't have met Kyle Schaefer and uh, like Josh Zaleski and Joe Zaleski. Like I would not, I would not have oh, met yeah. those dudes. I only met them because um, there was a show that we had at my brother's place. Those guys place. are from Birthright. Yeah, the guys from Birthright. Um, there was a show we had at my brother's place that was like The Weight of Waiting, uh, A Cylinder Aperture, and there was an Ascendings, bands from like around the Severna Park, Glenburnie so area. So what was Josh... What were the Selesky brothers in? A Sunlit Aperture at that point? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I don't know if Josh was in A Sunlit Aperture at the time, but I know Joe was. And then... Joe and Kyle were. Right, okay. And then... Um, I'm going to feel bad because I'm going to forget his name, but it was uh, In These Dreams and yeah, Death of a Yeah, with Lord Thane. Sue and Andrew Johnson. Andrew, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so like without that band, I wouldn't have met all those dudes. Because uh, right. cause when Vela Vela broke up, Kyle... I was doing my heart anchor after Vela Vela broke up because uh, Sean wanted to like do some acoustic music. He so did he stuff. hit you up or did you? Uh, for which band? My heart uh, for Sean. I'm sorry. Uh, Sean hit me up because we played a show when he was when he was in Well I'll Be Damned. Right. Uh, and he was like, "Hey man, like I have this acoustic stuff I've been like writing, but like I don't have anyone to sing it. Like I'm not a singer. Um, I like your voice. Would you like to want to come and jam?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. Like I'm not I'm not doing anything. I don't have a band right now. So we were we would just like get together in his house like." every other week and like just like he'd jam this music he'd come up with and I'd write lyrics on the spot and we'd just like sing in his like his bedroom or on his balcony or whatever and just like practice these songs and then uh eventually we got Matt Jones into the group as well uh who had played in the varsity letter as like a lead guitarist and he was I always thought he was like really good um so we just did like acoustic shows for a while I think we booked our first acoustic show through you I'm pre- yeah, I'm pretty positive. Yeah, was that at the church or was that somewhere else? I'm pretty sure it was it was at the church, because um, I think we did room at the brew with through you as well. Yeah, um, we did a bunch I mean, of acoustic shows. I think you've shows. done pretty much as far as when you guys started out. It was pretty much all me. Yeah, all the shows were through you because we knew better right. than to go to Fred Heather at that point. <laughs> um, we'd all like which again, that. he's great. He's doing fantastic, a lot. dude. But he's back doing then, a lot for music. Oh, in that area, just yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so you, Sean hit you up, and then you started playing around together. When did Matt join? Um, Matt joined, uh, it wasn't long after the first show, because the first show was just me and Sean. Like, we played, we played, like, a couple shows just, like, me and Sean, and then, like, we were like, it'd be cool if we had, like, a lead, a lead guitar, like, something right. that would go over this, like, uh, this guitar, and, uh, I was, I hit Matt up, and he was down for it. So we brought him. And Matt, in. I always like because everything that he added was a really nice, like pretty layer on top of everything. Had yeah. different atmospherics. And he all didn't that overdo stuff. things, which was like nah, the yeah. biggest thing. Because um, there are plenty of dudes that can like shred on guitar, but like when they do leads, like they're just doing too much, and it just is right. very overpowering. And like you don't need all that with a lot of music, and especially not acoustic, because it's like very like subtle. Um, so we did like a bunch of shows and whatnot. Uh, but eventually it got to a point where we were playing like bigger shows. Like I remember the biggest show we did as a three piece acoustic act, we opened for the chariot. I remember and that. And I, I remember looking at that and I was like, that don't make no sense. Yeah. It didn't make any at sense all. at all, but it was cool. Cause like everyone was like pretty receptive of it. Like even the dudes in the chariot were like, you guys are really good. Like that was awesome. Like, thanks for playing the show. Like they were cool with it, but it got to a point where we were like, we should probably get a full band. For this, uh, okay. I start playing big shows. Okay. So I hit up uh, Robbie, who was in 
Velo Velo. And he's playing bass for you, right? Yeah, he was playing bass, and I hit up Tyler uh, Lagana, who also had played in Velo Velo for a little bit too. Um, and they were down for it because they weren't doing any music at the time. So uh, we started playing together and like playing shows and whatnot. It was really cool. Um, but that didn't last that long, if I remember right. No, right? no. Uh, eventually, just friction between members. Uh, I think Matt was the first one to go. Um, well, from what I remember, Matt wasn't very reliable. Yes, that is what it was. Thank you for reminding me. Um, I think... Oh, this is what it was for the final straw. We were going to play Ice Jam Fest at Sonar in Baltimore. Wow. It was one of the first times we played Baltimore. It was the very first Ice Jam Fest. And I think, like, Silverstein was headlining. Uh, We Came as Romans. A bunch of bands who were big at that time. And uh, we all left to go to the venue. And Matt's like, okay, I'll meet you guys there. So we're at the venue. We sold, like, 125 tickets. Like, we, we pushed the shit out of that show and, like, sold tickets out the ass. And I remember we got to the venue, and it's like, 10 minutes till doors and there's no Matt. And like, so we're trying to call him. He's just not answering the phone. And then like I text him and he's like, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just not going to come. And we're just like, the fuck do you mean you're not going to come to the show, dude? Like, this is a really big show. You can't just like abandon us the day. That's gotta be like the biggest show that you've played. And probably still one of the biggest shows that you would have played. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge for us. Cause like, that was like our ticket into like playing Baltimore and like having a reliable booker and everything. And so, uh, cause like, Because 125 tickets is incredibly strong for a band almost two hours away. Yeah, Um, and it was for Out of Loop Management, who was, like, a big company at the time. They're still doing things. Are they? Yeah, they still have, like, their, like, label and whatnot, and they have, like, some... I forgot forgot they had a label, but Um, but I I remember a lot of play or pay-to-play stuff from them, right? We had a... Well, I can't say we. I was the one that mostly talked to Tyler, who was, like, the booking agent for Out of Loop at the time. Tyler and I had a very good, like, level of respect for each other, and, like, he really respected, like, the work ethic that we had for, like, promoting shows and, like, selling tickets and whatnot. Like, he never made us pay for any show that we played. Like, if we didn't sell tickets, enough tickets, he never asked us to pay out of pocket. He always paid us. He was just very... He was, like... Probably one of the best dudes I've ever had like the pleasure of dealing with. And I think um, he was one of the, the main guys of that, right? Yeah. When they when they took over Empire or mm-hmm. yeah, was Jax. it, was it, it was Jax, Jax the time. and then turned into Empire yeah. for him, right? Yeah, uh he was really cool. So he was the one that was doing the promoting for uh Ice Jam and like he was impressed by how many tickets we sold and he like gave us a hundred dollar bonus just for like selling 125 tickets. Like he like literally took out a hundred dollars of ticket money and just gave it to us. It's like, dude. Like you, you've earned every dollar of this, and it was like that's oh, amazing. Thanks, dude. But uh, for he, especially for a band that far out and that's still starting out, that's I feel like that's pretty huge. Yeah, and he gave us like a slot that was like later on in the night when like the fest was like pretty packed because like right. everyone was there. It was like it was a sold out show, so like we were yeah. And Sonar pumped. was pretty big if I remember yeah. right. So yeah. you had what probably like a five hundred person capacity at least there, because um, they did like dubstep and stuff like that there yeah. too, right? Yeah. Um, but it sucked because like now we're outside scrambling to figure out what we're gonna do. We've practiced this set of new songs with like with. our guitarist who's not here, and like he's like a big deal with like the new songs because like he has a, this very lead heavy. I felt like so we were like, what the hell do we do? Like we're just outside this venue. Like this is a sold out show. And, like we can't like back out of it. Like we sold a lot of tickets to get here and like play this. So we ended up like just playing i remember sean was really mad about it so he got super drunk before we played awful idea oh, um no. 
but like we played a bunch of older songs and like we had like a really good crowd. I remember there was a moment where Sean fell off the stage because he was so intoxicated, but he still kept going with it. And like we did really well, which is like really surprising. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really surprising. But like we killed it and it was like a really good time. Um, but then after that show, we were like, okay, well, what do we do without a lead guitarist? Like Matt's obviously not in the band anymore. Like what, what do we do? So, uh, there was this guy, Anthony Neve. I don't remember what band he was in at the time. I think it was, I think it was like a metal band from Virginia called Envisions. Um, yeah, I remember them. Yeah. Uh, Anthony had hit us up and was like, Hey, like I'm not in Envisions anymore. If like you guys need a guitarist I'm and Envisions was like one of the metalcore bands right? yeah they were they were the, one of the bigger metalcore bands in like Virginia um so we're like oh yeah like by all means like come and jam with us we jammed with some other people uh as well like um one of the dance from the second sunrise like jammed with us for a little bit uh yeah no one knew about that I feel like um we had this kid Brett jam with us a couple times um and they were all good, but like I felt like the chemistry wasn't there for what it we were trying to do. Um, they were all like really talented dudes, but it just kind of like didn't work out. But we set, we uh, met with Anthony, and he tried out, and he like was amazing. So we like got Anthony, and um, Anthony kind of like changed the new songs around for the better. I felt like uh, we went to go record the EP with this dude named Derv in York, Pennsylvania and Derv and Anthony like just hated each other from the get go. Like really? Yeah, they, they did not like each other. Like Derv thought like Anthony was a piece of shit. Cause he's, I don't know. I don't even know like how they got to that like level that they just hated each other, but we could not have them in the same room together. Like we had to actually like have Anthony like downstairs, like away from everyone while Derv was like trying to record with us and stuff. And like, Derv was like just very negative about like having Anthony in the band. He's like, dude, he's gonna he's gonna fuck you guys over. Like I'm telling you, in the long run, he will fuck you guys over. You need to like watch out, get someone else. And we're like, well, I mean, I don't know, man. He might maybe you're just being a little bit too harsh on him. I don't know. Uh, so we recorded the EP, released that. That was cool. Played some shows, and then Anthony fucked us over. What happened? He just he vanished. He like okay. literally just disappeared. So he pulled a mat. Yeah, he, he pulled a mat. Uh, I don't know if he had like a mental breakdown or whatever, but like no one heard from him for the longest time. And um, did you ever tell that recording dude, "Hey, you're right. Thanks for the warning." <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, he made it. He made sure he told us. He's like, "I told you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I told yeah. you he was gonna That's do that. that. Like you should have just listened to me. Uh, we should have, um, <laughs> but we didn't because we were stubborn and hard headed and thought we knew better. Um, so Anthony disappeared, and we were gonna try and just do. Um, just like the four piece, like just me, Sean, Robbie, and Tyler. But uh, were I think, you gonna start playing guitar? No, no, I was just gonna do vocals. Um, I didn't have really any interest in playing guitar again. Like I was, I was pretty over that from the whole Vela Vela thing. Um, but then Tyler just kind of felt like we were on this like plateau and we weren't really getting anywhere. So he tried out for the band Octaves at the time. Oh wow! Uh, I think he was actually in Octaves for a little bit. Really? Uh, yeah, he like left us and was in octaves for a little bit. And that kind of left me, Sean, and Robbie, like, no drummer. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I had no idea about that. I actually really liked octaves. Yeah, they were sick. Yeah. they. Um, I hit them up for, because they were supposed to play for me a couple times. And it just didn't work out for yeah. a couple different reasons. Um, but I just remember them being great. Yeah, they were and awesome. And then... Just not 
like responsive, um, which kind of put a bad taste in my mouth a little bit. But I mean, they were one of the bigger bands in Baltimore yeah. at that time, so whatever. But because I think they, I booked them for the church, and I think they played the church or Room with a Brew. I don't remember which one they did. Uh, and I tried booking them again, and it just didn't work out. Because they were um, coming up around the same time as pianos. Yeah, remember they, you had pianos. They were. The church. Yeah, I remember that. I I did, and that's that's one of the like one of my favorite things. Them, I had um, a band called Pygmy Lush. Mm-hmm. Uh, a room with a brew forever ago, um, which was Pygmy Lush was, is Chris and his brother from I think I think his brother uh, from Page Ninety Nine. Yeah, they're they they did a bunch of different stuff. Um, they went from folksy to heavy stuff, back to folksy stuff. Um, so that was that was cool for me. Um, having pianos play after, I think that was pretty close to the release of the lack long after, Mm -hmm. if I remember right. So for me, that was, that was a big thing. And Mike is really cool. That whole band was awesome. Um, I've seen Mike a few different times at a couple different shows. Um, when I went to go see planes, mistaken for stars at DC nine, which is one of the best experiences that I've had. Um, (laughs) So that that was really cool seeing them, um, and then obviously T Bone from Tiger Scout yeah. kind of greased the wheels a little bit for that. So that was awesome because um, I think Mike's family is from Solomon's. I yeah, think, yeah, if I remember right, right. Yeah, and I know they're like all friends, and like they they would come around like quite often. And it, it's cool seeing you know them really try and and, and do different a little bit different style of music, even if it's not my cup of tea at the moment. Um, but seeing them get bigger and bigger just cause I've, I've seen them literally like rise up. Yeah. So that, that's really, it's crazy. Really cool. It's crazy. Um, so you, you had just four members, you lost your drummer. Yeah. And uh, then now do you have a bassist or not? Nah? Yeah. Robbie was still with us and Sean was still doing guitar and, um, I was still doing vocals. We had the drummer from the second sunrise play with us for a little bit. We jammed for like a couple of months. Who was uh, that? Dan. I don't remember his last name. Uh, his name was Dan. So that got really confusing for practices. Right. Um, but he jammed with us for a little bit and it was really cool. But, uh, I think at that time, Robbie started to lose interest, um, because it wasn't Tyler and like Robbie and Tyler are really close. Uh, Sean, I think at that time was kind of talking with thrown to the depths about playing bass for them. Um, so like we were all kind of trying to do other things at the time. Uh, and like kind of towards the end of like my heart maker, I was, I got contacted by Kyle Schaefer. He was in, um, he was in the lives to come at the time, but they were just doing one vocalist and he like, he like hit me up and asked me if I wanted to like try out for vocals or whatnot. Uh, cause we had played shows together. Yeah. Cause that was the Selesky brothers, um, Ryan and, and and Colin and Kyle. Right. Yeah. Uh, we were going to, I remember we were going to meet up and talk in Crofton. We played at a venue called the Mac. Uh, was, I remember that place. Yeah. It was a My Heart Ranker and the Life's to Come show. We were opening for Memphis Mayfire. And, um, so I think I saw in these dreams there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they played there and a, a lot. bunch of, a bunch of different ones. It was a weird place cause it was like a nondescript building. If I remember right. Yeah. And just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And then you go in there and they had this 
big bright stage. Was it just a venue or was it something else? Because I, I don't feel it, like it was something else. I thought it was like also like partially a church. I thought it might have been like a theater or something. I don't. I don't I'm remember. not positive. It was it was a very weird space, but it was it was always really cool to play there. Uh, the dude. Uh, Scott, he ran Cobra Clutch, who like did most right. of the shows in Crawford and Glen Burnie. He was always like a super nice dude, right? Because um, he did he did a lot of the stuff. Um, what Knights at Columbus? Yeah, that's how I saw Saint Christopher's. Yeah, because that's how I saw Listener and Sixty Eight, mm-hmm. which was an amazing show. Um, and then I think um, Samuel Powers played that, if I remember right. Um, and I, I was just at the DC tattoo convention. I saw that guy just randomly, he's tattooing. So the, the lead singer of Samuel Powers is tattooing there. Um, nice. Dan hate maybe. Um, but I went up to him and was like, this is going to be real weird, but do you play in a band? And he was like, <laughs> yeah, I play in two of them. I was like, oh, well I saw you forever ago and you guys are great. Um, so he, yeah, it was, it was kind of awkward. Um, but it was cool just cause you know, it's a small world and all that stuff in there, yeah. right? Um, and then he has this other band that was based off the Wonder Years that they whole, did a, a whole new or a whole record based off of that show, uh, which is fantastic. And I <laughs> I wish I could remember the, the name of it. Was it a heavier band? Uh, no, okay. I don't think so. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but that was, that was just really cool. And that... Because that was at the Knights of Columbus, um, which is just not awkward because everybody's on the floor. But yeah. you had 68 there when they first came out. So it's just, um, what was the last name? Scoggins? Justin yeah. Scoggins. And the the drummer. And they're just going ape shit. And it's just in this... like It's wild. Yeah. And it's linoleum tile, bright fluorescent lights, just in this like little banquet room. And they're just fucking ripping and listener was amazing um so yeah that was i forgot about that cobra clutch was kind of iffy for me because i've seen what they did to other bands for the the pay to play sometimes Mm -hmm. and just having like seven bands on one bill because i remember because i think sean played with these guys too Mm -hmm. um I don't remember the the name. It's a it was a Christian metal band that was around here that Bill played with doesn't matter. Uh anyway, so I saw I think something plague and doesn't matter. It was like <laughs> it was it was sh- shit. They were um, all, like, big Christian metal shows for the most yeah, part. Yeah, and it was just, like, chug, chug, chug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrible breakdown. <laughs> Meh. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was kind of shitty um, just from what I saw uh, because you had four opening bands and then three that was, like, the touring package. Mm-hmm. And those four opening bands had to sell a bunch of tickets and played for 10 to 15 minutes. See, my understanding with Cobra Clutch, like, he's also, Scott was also another dude that I had, like, a very good understanding with. Um, it was never, it's, it's weird. Like, yes, it was pay to play, but, like, he never asked you to sell any more than, like, 12 tickets at the most. And, like, he had a really good deal where, like, 
he would do, okay, if you sell six tickets, the other six, everything you sell past six, you keep the money. Like, you don't owe me anything. So, like, That's great it wasn't that, that I don't out. think it was yeah. that he was fucking bands over or anything like that. I think it was more along the lines of bands not putting in the hustle and not promoting what they should. Um, I think that was a big deal about it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's got to be in give and take. Yeah, right? yeah, because I remember talking to him, like, a bunch of times. Like, he offered me a lot of shows that, like, I, in all honesty, had no right getting. But he would also, he would always talk to me about how, like, it was hard to have bands that would, like, actually bring people out because they're not pushing the show. They're not, like, sharing the flyer, like, telling their friends about they're it. They're hoping and, that the touring package that those we'll bigger the bands are yeah. going to bring all the people. Yeah, when but, like, you st- like, you're... The whole idea of support is to bring in support because those people aren't necessarily... Yeah, and I think that, like, halted a lot of bands in Glen Burnie, too. Like, a lot of bands weren't pushing or not hustling like they should have. And, like, I feel like I kept the mentality of the hustle, like, from when I was in my heart anchor to, like, when I joined The Lives to Come. Like, I was pushing tickets and, like, selling tickets for the band and whatnot and, like, always making sure Scott had his money. Like, I never... I would never accept a show I knew I couldn't sell the tickets for. Well, and I think that's also something with some of the bands that I I see kind of bitching about pay to play. And as like a former promoter, the, the way to look at it is at, it is definitely a business and some people take it more serious as a business than others. Mm -hmm. I never took it serious. That's the reason why I don't do it anymore because I didn't make any money (laughs) off of it. I lost quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but it was like my biggest passion. Like that was the way that I could really like get my musical outlet out. Mm-hmm. So that was the way that I expressed my music. Cause I, I can't play for shit. I just started learning guitar <laughs> for the first time and I'm still not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, so you gotta, you gotta have that give and take. You gotta be able to know where you're at as a band. Um, keep bugging your friends. Yeah. Right. Don't oversaturate your local market, though, which is something that a lot of people do. They just play out and out and out and out. And instead of maybe playing once a month, they play every week. Or once a quarter, they play every month at the same place over and over again. I I don't know. But you got to be able to draw and you got to be able to... um, you know, prove that you can financially do it mm-hmm. when you're going for the bigger, bigger guys that are like, hey, this is how I, like, support my kids and put food on the table. Yeah. I didn't. I had a job. <laughs> I had a full-time, almost 65 to 70-hour work week. I don't need these during... local shows. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm just doing it out of the kindness of my heart, and I hate all of you. Like, pretty much all of you. Um, Understandable. We gave you hell. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's a thing. So you're in the lives to come mm-hmm. and you're playing with them. They do pretty well. If I remember right. Yeah. Playing the lives to come was like the most fun I've had in like <laughs> a long time. I'd never, um, I had never been in a band that had another vocalist. So it was the first time I've ever done like the dual vocal thing, but it was like the coolest shit ever. Cause like Josh and I get along really well and like I got along with the rest of the dudes as well. Uh, right, because so like, you guys were like a baby Alexis on fire. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So I came into the band. They had an EP they had already recorded in Bethesda uh, in Taylor Larson's studio. Um, but they didn't have any clean vocals for it, but they really wanted to clean vocalists. So I, like, I wrote some lo- vocals. I came into the studio and I recorded my parts. We released it, uh, did some shows, Like got pretty good reception for like what we had out. Um We'd always play like Winchester and we'd always do Cobra Clutch shows. Um, 
and that like worked really well for us. We had like a, a decent sized following. Um, then I started booking at Charm City Art Space, uh, and I would book us on shows if like, or I would I would book a I would like book a show that I knew I'd want to play. Like, uh, I think the most fun I ever had at a show was uh, there was a band that was in Baltimore that they were called Tooth and Claw, mm-hmm. um, and they were they were really good uh, good friends of ours. But they didn't play very much before they broke up. Uh, one of the shows that we did was them and us like doing like a co-headlining thing at Charm City Art Space, and we sold like like 50, 60 spots for Charm City Art Space, which is like that's a lot because it's not a big space. Um, well, yeah, and then they're usually having like ten people plus the band there. That too. That too. Which is probably the reason why they're not around anymore. Which yeah. is very. Very disappointing because that was a, a good outlet for a lot of people. Yeah, it was it was a cool space to have. Um, so like we do that, uh, and it was really fun. We went and recorded an EP with uh, Jay. He played in the band Defeater. Uh, yeah, Jay, Jay Moss. Yeah, uh, and that was like a really cool experience. Um, I didn't think I did as well as I could have done on the recording. I thought my shit sucked. And that like brought the recording down a whole bunch too, cause like it's like half and half with me and Josh. So like if I'm not pr- if I'm not giving my best on it, then it's not gonna it's not gonna be what we all want it to be. Josh killed it. Well, why but, did like, you feel that way though? Um, I feel like I probably rushed lyrics and I didn't spend as much time going over melodies and how I wanted to sing things. So like when I went into the studio and I was doing my parts, I feel like I was coming up with a lot of it on the on the fly. And we had we only had a week to get it all done. Um. And a lot of that time was spent doing, like, guitars, bass, and, like, drums. So we had, like, the least amount of time for vocals. Uh, so I, I think I had really dropped a ball on that. Um, and it definitely, like, showed, I feel like. Uh, people were receptive to the new EP, but I, I just didn't feel confident about it. Um, so we played more shows and whatnot. It was really cool. I lived at the house with the dudes. I had moved up to, moved up to Baltimore at the time. So I was living with Josh, Joe, and Ryan in their house. Um and then I think, I don't remember how it came up, but I think Sean hit me up one day and was like, hey, dude, do you want to play a show? And I was like, okay. Like, why not? And I was like, just you and me or, like, the, the band? He's like, oh, just you and me. So we played, like, some random house show in La Plata and, like, had, like, a blast. And we're like, we should probably do this more often. So then, like, we kind of, like, slowly but surely began performing as my heart anchor again, but just the two of us. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, eventually, uh, things with the lives to come start to kind of go downward. Uh, our guitarist left because he had other things he was dealing with. And then I left because, uh, I didn't feel like I was having much of a say in like the lyric process or like just the songwriting process in general. Um, which probably has something to do with like how I performed on the last EP. So like so I wasn't. You felt more like you were an accessory than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Which is nothing against them. Like I don't think that I was giving them my all. Um, so it was probably like for the best that I wasn't in that project anymore. So they went on to do Birthright, which is like a sick band. They're really good. Um, yeah, not I, I. I always liked those guys ever since yeah. I met them with uh, the Lives Come. I mean, they're they're fantastic. Um, Everything that they've done, I've I've really 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 liked. Yeah, they're all like phenomenal musicians. Like they're like incredible. Um, So Sean and I were just doing like every now and again we do some shows and whatnot because I was living in Baltimore and he was still down here in Hughesville. So like 
that's not like a trip I want to make like every day to like, sure? practice and whatnot. I'm positive. Uh, and also because I don't like Southern Maryland that much. So uh, What did we ever do to you? Oh, yo, this place is toxic as fuck. <laughs> it's so toxic in Southern Maryland. Um, and it was like that whole heroin thing was like up and coming too. And like there's so many people that are on heroin now. And it's like nuts, man. Yeah, I mean, it it's still, it's it's definitely a thing. I mean, you have heroin, fentanyl is, is being a big thing. And a lot of it is down in St. Mary's, which is very disappointing. I mean, yeah, because like that's we've where lost we from, mutual like, friends. Yeah. From that. So that that sucks. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not a good thing. It's really crappy. Uh, so I felt like some of the people that I was associating with, like before I moved, like could have led me down that path. So I needed to get out of I needed to get out of Southern Maryland. So I did. Um, so but, maybe it was just your your pick of who you're hanging out with, that, rather than probably too. maybe there's just the people that don't really like you. Do you that like much? Southern Maryland, Chris? I mean, I'm not moving anytime soon, so we're just. <laughs> That's not answering the question. That's uh, not answering the question, Chris. Hey, um, I live here now, <laughs> so there's that. I guess. I <laughs> guess. Um, but Sean and I would like jam every now and again. Uh, <laughs> he was dating someone that had two kids, so he was kind of like in a daddy role at the time. Yeah. Uh, so he did not have a lot of time. I was all about it. We recorded a full length with, with Mike that we were both like super proud of. Uh, it was like all the old songs we had uh, made back when we were like ab- an active band. We just had just been too lazy and poor to like record it. So like Mike killed it with the full length, we released that. People like really dug it. It was awesome. Um, I wanted to like tour with it, but Sean really couldn't do that because he was like in the daddy role and he was also doing like the Steam Fitters Union. So right, because like, that that was when he first started, I think, right? Yeah, so he can't just like take time off to like go tour and whatnot. Right. So, um, he was like, "Yeah, dude, like if you want to like tour on this, like by all means, do it. I will teach you the guitar parts." And I was like, "I'm not." So this it. entire time, you've never like learned your own songs. Oh no, no, hell no! I was just singing, dude. Is that weird? I mean, not really. Like everybody has their own role, but that that's it's just interesting that you had to learn your own songs yeah it's pretty strange dude it's pretty strange so uh sean taught me all the songs and whatnot and i kind of just did it by myself um i always left the door open like if sean wanted to come back and like wanted to write more stuff and like do it together like he's more than welcome to do that um but like i kind of just started doing it myself there were things i wanted to do uh like touring was like a big a big thing i wanted to do like i've always wanted to do since like I started going to local shows at my brother's place and seeing my friends go on tours and whatnot, like uh, yeah, that was just something that like I was a goal of mine. Like when I took it over like by myself, um, it was really funny because like with the Water Me Down tour, I wasn't even gonna play guitar on that. Johnny was gonna play guitar for me and I was just gonna sing. Huh. So Johnny was gonna do a Water Me Down set and then he was gonna play guitar for me and like I was just gonna sing and he was gonna do backup vocals. So it'd be like me and Johnny were my heart anchor. That would have been interesting. Um, yeah, it would have been. It was gonna be really fun, but then. Uh, they were just like, dude, you could totally do this. Like, you're good enough at guitar. Just, 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 just freaking do it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look hard. <laughs> Shut up, dude. I feel, I feel like I can play those songs now, and I only know A minor, G, C. You talking think- a lot of shit, Chris. <laughs> talking a lot of shit, dude. Uh, so I just like, I was like, okay, Johnny, if you think I can do it, I'll, I'll do it. So like, we went on the tour, and I did it. Like, I did guitar all by myself, like a big boy. And uh, yeah, I'm proud of you. Thanks. Thanks. And like, since then, like I did a bunch of other tours and like, 
I recorded an EP uh, and like two splits. Were the tours how you thought they were when um, you were looking at all these other bands and being like, tour's so cool, I want to go on uh, there? I thought tour's going to be a lot crazier than it was. I think the craziest tour that I did was with a dude named Casey Bowles. Yeah. Uh, he goes under the name Gardenhead now, which is like super sick. What was he before? No, it was just Casey, right? Yeah, he just by went by the name Casey Bowles. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, but now he does Gardenhead, which is like super cool. But I think uh, that was a crazy tour because... Uh, one, neither one of us had a car we wanted to use for the tour. Like, I didn't want to use my car for the tour because it was, like, a very small car at the time uh, and could not fit all our stuff. Casey didn't have a car, and his parents were not letting him take the car. But it was just two acoustic guitars. What, what? But his merch, too. He had a lot of merch. Right. Yeah. So, and then, like, all of our stuff to, like, for, like sleeping and whatnot and clothes. Whatever. So. What do you need that for? <laughs> yeah, right? What do you need to get dressed for? I think he made a status on his Facebook asking if anyone would be willing to let us use their car for a two-week tour. And this dude actually responded and was like, yeah, like I'll, I'll drive you guys. Like, that's All fine. right, well, that's kind of cool. Like, if you have a driver. Yeah, it, it would have been cool. But then when I was on the train to Buffalo to meet Casey, uh, first thing he says to me is like, okay, so for being honest, I don't fucking like this dude that we're about to be in the car with for, for two weeks. And I'm like, oh, shit, what's wrong with him? He's like, he's kind of an asshole. I'm like... Glad we're going to be stuck with him for two weeks. That'll be cool. Uh, so this dude, I'm not going to name names, but if he's listening, I doubt he is. He knows who he is. He was the biggest This will probably douche. never come out. It'll be okay. He's He was the biggest douche I've e- ever met in my life. He had like, he had a One Direction, like the moth tattoo, like one of the One Direction dudes has on his chest. He like. I don't know what that is, but it sounds terrible. I only know about it because someone pointed it out to me. Uh, he thought he was a musician and he like did ukulele covers of like buy you a drink. That's adorable. That was like god awful, dude. Like he made a music video which was just him on his iPhone, like walking down the street, like in selfie position, With like that singing tattoo? buy you a drink. Yes. Yes. And uh he like was just all in, like that he was a musician, he was killing it. So was he trying to open for you guys? Is that Yes. Oh Yes. So <laughs> He picks us up. Uh, our first night was in Buffalo. Case picked me up from the, the train stop. We played Buffalo um, at a venue that's not open anymore. And How we, cold was it up there? It was ridiculously cold. I was not ready. Yeah. Um, so we played Buffalo, and then Mike comes and picks Oh, there's his name. Mike comes and picks us up uh, the next morning, and um, he's just, like, talking to us about, like, all his, like, Twitter and Tumblr followers who are just really into his music because he vlogs and whatnot. So he has, like, all these subscribers and all this other stupid shit that doesn't matter. Does that translate to fans? Showing up for shows? Apparently, dude. So, um, but it was, like, free publicity, like, to all his little Twitter followers. Like, whenever we had a show, uh, like, he would just, like, promote it. So So you guys had a decent following? Not because of him, but, yeah. Are you sure? Uh, Yes. I mean, it sounds like he was doing all the work. I am positive. I don't know. That ukulele can go a long way. <laughs> Maybe if you're good at it, I don't know. Uh, but it was it was it was cool. It was, two weeks was the longest I had done at that time, just because the only tour I had done besides that was the Water Me Down one, and that was like just five five to six days. So, so this was uh, your second tour. Yeah, and I was like, hell yeah, I want to tour more. Let's just freaking do this, dude. Two weeks, let's go. Um, <laughs> so we were stuck in the car with this dude who was just very arrogant and very full of himself, and like. That wasn't a good time. Um, every Did you pay him at all? Fuck no. Oh no, he didn't get paid for anything. And That's he was fantastic. like, he was like, it's cool. I just want to see. I just want to see the East Coast. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever, dude. Live your life, bro. Uh, and he did like the majority of the driving. I think I drove like once. But um, every 
every city we played in, he was trying his hardest to find someone to sleep with that night. Like, whether he was on, like, Tinder, just swiping right on everybody, or hitting on girls that were at the shows, made it incredibly awkward. No one enjoyed enjoyed his company. He was, like, just a dick. Um, But I think the weirdest thing about that run was uh, we were in New York City. I fucking hate New York City. I didn't know I hate New York City until that run. Um, Casey, I don't even know where Casey went, but he was gone. Like, we were at his aunt's house. He just fucking dipped? Yeah. We were at his aunt's house, who we told we were just going to stay there for one night, and then we were going to go to Massachusetts for our next show. Our Massachusetts and New Hampshire show dropped. So we had two next two days, no shows. So we are like, well, what do we freaking do? Casey's like, oh, we can just stay at my aunt's house. It's fine. He didn't ask her. She wasn't okay with it. She hated us being in her house. So Casey, uh, the day after the New York City show, Casey like went to go do some stuff to like get his college registration and like set up and whatnot, and just dipped and left us left us in his aunt's house, right? So uh, we go and explore New York City because this is what you do when you're in New York City. We were like in Brooklyn at the time, and we got on the the subway into the city and like the subway system is the most confusing freaking thing I've ever experienced they in New York City. They have maps and colors and stuff, dude, right? Dude, no. It's, you can make it sound simplified like that but it is difficult, dude. Have you been in New York City? No. Don't, don't go. Want to. Don't go. I'm it good. was awful. So, he was trying really hard to like impress people and like was trying to do all these vlogs in Times Square. The Mike uh, dude. Yeah, Mike. Uh, he bought like a bunch of flowers and was like handing them out to girls that he saw in Times Square and telling that's them not creepy. telling them that it was his random act of kindness because he believes everyone deserves a smile. He was like an attractive dude, so like girls were like eating it up, right? And I'm like, dude, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like vomit in my mouth right now. Like what the fuck is going on? So he's like vlogging all this and like getting all these girls' numbers and like just being a total tool and I hated every minute of it. And we were in Times Square until like midnight, I think. Uh and we were like, okay, like we need to get back now. We don't know when the subway is going to stop running. We need to get back. We ended up getting lost on the subway. I think like our train was delayed, and we got on the wrong one and ended up in some random part of New York City, some bad part of New York City. Yeah. And like we're just trying to find our way back to Casey's aunt's house, and it was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And that's why I will never play in New York City again. <laughs> I have not been back since. I won't go Because you're not an adult, and you don't know how Because I'm not work. an adult. Fuck that city, dude. I hate that city. Sounds like you should have had an Uber. Probably. I mean, you had you had one person there with you. Where was his car? He could have just drove you everywhere. <laughs> hey, man, I don't know. He wasn't about it, I guess. He, he just didn't do it. I don't know. So that was awful. What a dick. Yeah, okay. he, he was a douche. And then, to top it off, he freaking stole my iPod from my house. Like, at that time, I had, like, a 130-gigabyte uh, iPod. 128? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> round up, dick. Um, <laughs> and it had, like, all my old music on it. Like music that like I've had. Your like your old music or like, like music I've had music like, that you shouldn't listen to anymore. That, okay. <laughs> more like that. <laughs> um, and he like stole it and like pawned it for money so he could make it to Nashville. What? It would have been five dollars. I don't know how much he got off That's of it. Ridiculous. He he denied it, but like he was the only one in my room. Like I let him crash in my room, and I like, slept upstairs. And like I woke up and he was gone, and my iPod was gone. So obviously it was you. Did. So I think the moral of the story is that you don't listen to other people when they tell you that they're bad people. So the recording guy telling you that guy's gonna fuck you over. True. Casey saying this guy's a jerk. You're real good at this life thing. Just making bad decisions, dude. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere I go, everywhere I go, it's bad decisions. It's okay. So how was the rest of that tour though? Um, 
it was cool. We didn't really have any like bad turnouts. Um, we got paid every night. I think I left with like 150. That's a win right there. Yeah, I think I left with like 150. Like, Profit? Yeah. Um, and it was cool because I didn't have any merch, so I was like just strictly doing it. Just selling your body? Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, and that was cool. I did that. And then I think shortly after that, I booked a tour with the band Something More, which is like a Baltimore band, um, Baltimore pop punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one was really cool, too. Uh, I think that was my first try at routing a tour myself, and I fucked it up real bad. What happened? I didn't take into consideration drive times for stuff. So, like, we had a nine-hour drive one time, and, like, they were down with it because we got to go to Florida, so that was cool. But, like, I... I probably should have made those drives a little bit shorter. Right. That's, I remember Shot Hill Around the World. Um, they had, they drove from Massachusetts just to play Maryland for me and then drove back. Crazy. To like That's crazy. New Hampshire or some, some nonsense. Or Surprisingly, to, it's only a six hour drive, like six and a half hours. Sure. To Boston, it was 13. Oh. So. That's where they had to go. Yep, never mind. Uh, yeah, uh, never so I felt I, I felt special, like that was <laughs> that was cool. But I also felt like they're dumb, like they, they didn't figure out they how didn't to make like, a good decision. route that stuff at all. No, <laughs> but I learned from it. Uh, that one was really cool. Learned how to something use maps. more. Yeah, something more. Really good dudes, um, and I had a lot of fun with them on that run. Uh, coincidentally, like every night we played at a venue we somehow ended up playing Super Smash Brothers. Like, every venue had Super Smash Brothers. And I don't know how that worked out. Uh, yeah, they're really good at Super Smash Brothers. Like, they're, like... They're they're too good. Like, they play it too much. Like, that's the only other thing that they do outside of a band? Yeah. It, it was really weird. So, like, the people's houses we stayed at, they had Super Smash Brothers, and they ended up playing Super Smash Brothers together and getting their asses whooped. Like, they would whoop the host's ass in Super Smash Brothers... And like and then, then we go to a venue, play it. It'd be a barcade, and we play Super Smash Brothers. Like it, it was just a very. Did you book the tour? Or did they do? I they did. booked the tour. I did. And it was just coincidentally. Yeah, like everything every that they wanted every night. I actually saw Ned on that run. He he was living in Florida at the time, and when we played Florida, he came out and he came to the show. He like drove three hours and surprised me, and it was like crazy. And I was like, That's dude, cute. it's crazy. You lost like a lot of weight, and you got like a fiance now. What the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. It's like yeah. realization that I'm fucking up, you know? Yeah. He's an adult. <laughs> We're not. Yeah, he's like a full-on adult. I don't appreciate it. Yeah, Every, it every time I look at him, I hate myself more and more. <laughs> uh, no, I, I hear you. So you did that tour. Uh, I mean, what what's your next step? Like, what, what do you want to do? Oh, man. I have this, like, new job that's, like, an adult-like job now. So, like, I don't. So no Starbucks, uh, no Target anymore. Yeah, I quit Starbucks. No I quit time Target. off. Um, Kind of, kind of. I have every weekend off, so I'm, like, kind of utilizing that as much as I can um, by, like, just booking weekenders and whatnot. Like, I just did one with a dude named Brian. He's from New Jersey. He plays in a band called Grin and Bear. I think you'd actually, like, really dig them. It's, like, kind of folky indie stuff. Um, He was really good. Uh, We did Fredericksburg, Virginia. uh, Where'd you play there? Um, You know Tina DeSetta? She did stand-ups. Her house. Oh, nice. She does does house shows at her house now. They have... um they have a Fredericksburg all ages. Um, I drove through Fredericksburg a month or so ago just to kind of drive through it because I've never been there. It's nice. Like, it's a, it's a really cute it's town. It's a cool, yeah, it's a cool little town. There's not much to it. I thought it was always bigger. Yeah. 
Um, but it just seems like it would be because Casey's isn't a thing anymore. Casey's back alley or whatever no, it is, right? No, yeah, yeah. Because that's where all the, the metal uh, shows were. So that's no longer a thing. I know they have the Fredericksburg All Ages, but that's it's a weird little venue. And then Tina's doing um, some stuff in our apartment house thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was really cool. Um, there weren't that many people that came out. She felt really bad about it, but I was like, dude, like it's, it's not a big deal. It's a Thursday night. Like it's, it's a house. Per- yeah, it's like perfectly fine. I think she felt bad because like the last couple of times she's had shows at her house, like it's been packed out. So she was like, oh, God, this is not what I wanted. And it's like, dude, it's okay. Maybe they knew better. <laughs> Shut up, dude. I hate you. Um, I wasn't stressed about it, really. Um, and then we played New Jersey, um, Menesquan, New Jersey, our friend George's house. He plays in a band called Halogens. Um, sounds very similar to Tiger's Jaw, if Tiger's Jaw just had the male vocal. Um they're really sick. They're going to blow up because they're doing, like, a lot of good things. Uh, but George's house is, like, always really fun. Like, his house always gets a lot of people in there. Um, I played, like, all new music and whatnot at his house, and that was really cool, too. We were trying to get Philly, but that just didn't end up working out because Philly's, like, one of those places that's very hard to book unless you know someone that lives in Philadelphia. Right. Um, and I don't know enough people. Like, I don't keep in contact with enough people from Philly to, like, feel comfortable to, like, just reach out and be like, yo, can you, like, get me a show? Um, I don't want to feel like I'm like using people like that. Um, so we did that. That one's done. Um, and I have I have a weekender in February that I booked. Uh, I'm playing a house show in Towson. Like I'm just primarily doing house shows. Uh, I have a house show in Towson with my friend Ben. He's from New York. Uh, he plays he plays in a band called Head North. Yeah. Uh, he drums he drums in Head North, but he has a solo project called Marigold. Cool. And okay. He, he's starting to do more touring because I, I think Head North isn't really doing as much touring as they used to. So are they he, about ready to record another album or I don't do know. you know? I don't, I don't know yet. Uh, I, I asked Brent a couple of weeks ago, like what that plan was. I think Brent said he's like kind of leaning more towards like recording bands now. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I liked oh, their last record. Yeah, they I were, thought it was really, they were really good. good. They were great um, live when I saw them. Um, them and Hodera blew me dude, away when yes, I saw them. I'm so glad I listened phenomenal. to you. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um, um, their new record, I don't know how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's solid. That first one I really liked. And I just remember being blown away by the lead guitarist. And just, he reminded me a little bit of what Matt did for you guys, where yeah. he just put that other extra layer in there and really just made it work. Um, but yeah, they, they blew me away when I saw them. Um, glad I listened to you for once. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I've met like a lot of really cool bands. Um, like Hodera definitely is like one of the bands that's like impressed me like the most out of like a lot of the bands that I've seen. Um, them and Head North. Uh, I really like the new Head North record. I think it's very different for what they had been doing, which was like primarily like pop punk stuff. But like, I like the new direction they took. I know like it's not everyone's like, it's not their thing. But for me, I thought it was very innovative and I thought it was really good. Um, a Will Away, I think, put out my artist of the, my artist of the year, my album of the year last year. Um, I love that band so much. Like, there's, I've driven literally six hours to Ohio to watch them play and then come back home. Like, I've done it multiple times and will continue to do it. I support those dudes. Always. I'll try and listen to them. I'll remember. I think I think Probably you'll forget. I, I think I'll you'll remember. appreciate it if you listen to here again the album here again. I think I think you will appreciate like the structure of, like all their music and whatnot. Um, also, uh, Halogens, I already mentioned, is, like, really good. Uh, there's a band that's, like, up and coming called Save Face. 
they're from New Jersey. I did a split with them. Um, they're amazing too. Uh, cool. So, the, what's one of the the biggest things that you've learned about yourself playing in this band and actually like touring and oh man and really like getting into it because you've been doing this for for years and it my heart my anchor is a pretty personal project yeah um i think for a long time i was trying to write music for other people like i wanted to write music that i thought other people would enjoy um but i think just like the past like couple years i've really gotten to a point where like I realize I'm not writing music for other people. I'm writing music that helps me uh, cope with things that I go through and like help me get to a good mental space. Um, I've had people come up to me and be like, "Why don't you write like happy songs? Like you sound so much better if you like saying happy songs." Or like, "Oh, dude, you should like play your Marmor's Room cover more and like all this other shit." And it's like, dude, I'm so over that. I'm so over hearing that. Um, I'm not doing it for other people. I'm doing it for me. Like, that's the, the biggest thing that I think I've, like, learned is that, like, this project is, like, for me, to help me. Like, I'm not going to fucking play Marvin's Room anymore. Like, it wasn't a mistake doing Marvin's Room. Like, that got me a lot of, like, listeners and shit. Like, and that was cool. It was a good idea. Like, that is, like, my most played song on Bandcamp. It has, like, 20,000 plays. Like, it's ridiculous. I fully um, believe that because it's a great little cover. Yeah, but, like, it got to a point where, like, Anytime I go to a show, people would be like, hey, are you play Mar- playing Marvin's Room tonight? And, I'm, and, like, for a while, I'd be like, uh, yeah, sure, like, why not? But as I started to, like, make more music and, like, perform it and then also have Marvin's Room in the, in the set, I'd have people come up to me after the sets and be like, dude, your Marvin's Room cover, so sick. Great Marvin's Room cover. And I'm like, all right, but that's not the only fucking song I played tonight. Like, did you well, not is, enjoy the rest of it? Is or, that like, how it was with Dear Father, too? No, no. I think, um... Dear Father was different, I think, uh, because I thought people, everyone's experienced loss. Yeah. And, like, dealing with loss is a very hard thing to do. So I think that people just found something very relatable about that song and, like, found some way to, like, deal with their feelings on loss. Um, I think, like, the weirdest thing, well, not, it, it wasn't weird. It was, like, it was, I was, like, really honored. Um, a girl's parent had passed away she wasn't like a friend of mine but she was a friend of robbie's and like she like asked for an mp3 of dear father to play at the funeral because she like that song helped her like that was probably like the most moving thing that's ever like happened to me for like anything i've ever written um but i've never felt the way i've never felt that way about dear father as i have marvin's room like marvin's room has just been like this just freaking like rain cloud above my head it's like i don't want to play drake's song anymore like <laughs> it's cool for like a special occasion like every once in a while like if it's like a house show and like i'm chilling with some friends they want to hear marvin's room whatever but if i'm playing like a bigger show like don't ask me to play fucking marvin marvin's room dude um when i played in new jersey this kid i felt really bad about it afterwards but like i was going to get ready to play and this kid came up to me and he was like, dude, I'm really excited to see you play tonight. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, you should totally play Marvin's Room. And I was like, <laughs> and like not thinking, I was like, fuck that shit. And I just walked away. And I was like, in hindsight, I was like, oh, shit, that was rude as fuck. Uh, so like, <laughs> I like reached out on Twitter and was like, yo, I didn't mean to just randomly say fuck that shit. I just meant to say I've been writing new music that I'm really proud of and I'd rather share that with you than <laughs> Drake's music. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a probably much better way... <laughs> to put that in there yeah then, yeah yeah nah man get out of here yeah yeah um that's funny yeah so 
Well, yeah. I'm glad that you're doing it for yourself. It's kind of like about time that, I mean, you've, from what I've heard, all your stuff, um, you know, everything's been a personal record for you. And, and it looks, it looks to me like that is your release. Yeah. So that, um, I mean, that's good that you finally realize that. It's like, I, I make a good front of like being sociable and talking to people, uh, in like public and social situations, but like, I'm really not that way all the time. Um, especially within the last couple of years, I feel like I've really become like kind of closed off from people. So I keep to myself a lot more. So I feel like, uh, especially with like newer music that I have now, um, it's been my way of like kind of breaking out of that shell, but also still kind of maintaining my distance as well. It's like, you can get what you want from my music. Like that, that's fine. Like, this is just like my outlet. Like all, all the new songs I've written is like just one, one concept of like, just how like the end of 2017 was like, just like the roughest year that I've had in like a long time. And like how I like sacrificed my mental health and like my physical health for other people and realizing that's not okay. And like kind of just putting an end to like sacrificing all that stuff in 2017, like using 2018 to be better and like get better. Um, so I'm like, I've written like an entire rec- like an EP about that, uh, that I'm hoping it'll be cool if people like it, but at the same time, like, I don't really fucking care if they like it or not. Like all the songs like mean something to me. And like, that's like the most important thing. Like, I don't think there's any like filler on it, which is, which is good. So no Marvin's room on that one. Yeah. Fuck Marvin's room. I'm about to take that shit no off the other internet. Drake covers? Uh, no. No? <laughs> not Drake, but I'm going to do a sister cover. And that's all right, be tight. all right. Yeah, but I'm not doing it under my heart, my anchor. I'm going to uh, partner with my friend Phil, who plays in the band Safe Face. He's, like, really good at piano, and, like, he really loves Sissa, too. So we're going to record a cover of Broken Clocks, and we're just going to put it on SoundCloud and become famous, whatever. That's going to be wonderful. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, really into Sissa and Frank Ocean right now. Like, I'm really <laughs> into both of them. So I'm, like, all about it. Like, I want to cover Chanel. I want to do so many different R&B type things. Like, Mike, if you're still doing, down to do the R&B project, like, I am 100% down for that. I've been talking to some people about some beats and whatnot. Like, All right. So with that being said, I mean, what, what keeps you going with everything? Um, I feel like what keeps me going, music is, like, the one thing that's been constant in my life, like, since I started playing it. Like, people come and go, like, all the time like friends family like lovers like everything comes and goes but music has always been there like I found like a very safe space in music and like that I want to keep that close to me at all times like yeah that's this, music is what I want and like I feel like I like literally need music in my life like I can't I can't not be doing music in some way like whether it's my heart rank or like the life's to come, like, whatever it is, like, I need to be doing something to express myself, and this is my way of, like, coping with life and expressing myself in a way that I didn't even know was possible until I started doing it, so. Cool. Yeah. I think that's it. Nice. I'm good with that. Hey.